The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the All-American Armchair Network. They say there is a curse on Tutankhamun's tomb. According to ancient lore, the most dire punishment will be inflicted upon anyone rash enough to enter the sealed grave. There is another curse, not a fable, but a scourge proven time and time again. It is Cincinnatus Futilius. Like Lucy coaxing Charlie Brown to trust her to hold that ball for him to kick it, the Steelers seduced a Bengals team who just wanted to believe. They wanted to believe that because they had momentum, home field advantage, and the law of averages on their side, that this day would be their day. (laughs) Losers! It's October 15th, 2018, and this is episode 60. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, where we are enjoying our Cohibas and Cavassier as we bask in the warm glow of a 28-21 to Steeler victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, you'd think you'd get used to these things and they might wear off since uh, we don't really ever lose to Cincinnati. What is that, six in a row, seven in a row? But no, feels better every time with, uh, with each uh, just despicable attempt by Vontae's perfect to injure Antonio Brown, uh, which happens every time they play each other. Every time that happens, it just increases my joy when we douse their enthusiasm and just a wave of, uh, of just futility, which is the Bengals name is synonymous with futility and we hate them. And turns out they still suck. Well, over the last 10 years, the Steelers are 14-5 and against the Bengals with only two of those losses coming in Paul Brown Stadium. And as we remember, the last game of last year was another barn burner last-minute victory at the toe of one Chris Boswell. It's insane. How many times has Boswell beat them in the last couple of years on last-second field goals going all the way back to the, the dreaded and infamous divisional playoff game that the Cincinnati Bengals through to the Steelers. We're going to talk about that concept a little bit, you know, Cincinnati throwing games or Pittsburgh taking games, but didn't even get a chance to see the boss man uh, try to redeem his early season struggles against his favorite team to play the Cincinnati Bengals because uh, Benny and AB turned that Wi-Fi up to full bars and took care of business. It's a thing of beauty. So let's talk about the overall theme, starting with the, the mythology that Cincinnati blew this game and handed to the Steelers. Yeah, so I, we want to keep toying around with the different structures of our podcast. We used to do this overall themes, and I think there are some pretty obvious ones that made themselves uh, evident during this game. So a lot of people, some of the national media, which is something we try to address on this podcast, uh, we, we try to see what the national media is saying, which is usually a less nuanced version of what actually happened in the game if you were watching it. And what the national media is saying a lot of right now is that Cincinnati blew this game. And I understand how you could say that because they had a lead with a minute left, and it's Cincinnati once again losing in the final seconds to the Steelers. Well, that that's not what happened. Because if you watch the game, Pittsburgh just beat them. There wasn't uh, two consecutive ridiculous 15-yard penalties that resulted in you know 30 yards of, of free yardage for the Steelers to get them in a field goal range like that divisional playoff game was. No, that Bengals did a good job with the two-minute drive. They scored with a minute 18 left and left Ben Roethlisberger in a super potent Steelers offense with three timeouts, 118 to go down and get a field goal. Uh, there was no miracle. It's just Steelers doing what the Steelers do. Well, I and agree was- with that. I, I agree 100%. The one, uh, a couple of things that might lead you to say that Cincinnati handed the game over. They had, A.J. Green had two drop passes. 
uh, Cody Core missed his first possible reception of the uh, of the year for a uh, first down pass in the first half, and Vontez Burfick dropped his interception. Countering that, however, are our own drop passes in Seriously. the first half and dropped interceptions. So, which were I agree. bigger? Were, yeah, and um, I would say that, that that sort of negated each. They sort of negated each other. I agree. A lot of people are talking about those AJ Green drop passes. I don't know why they're not talking about Juju's drop pass. He had the drop yeah. pass on the first drive that who knows how long that could have gone. And he dropped the a sure 50, you know, 40 yard touchdown in the game. And Hayden dropped two easy interceptions. And I think someone else had a dropped interception in that game. So there was a crazy mist and, and sort of a fog, a very difficult rain to deal with during that game where you couldn't really see it on the telecast and people were throwing the ball all over the place, but it clearly had effect on uh, the player's ability to catch the ball. It had an equal effect on both teams. So those AJ green drops have been, uh, you know, overplayed in the media probably because he's such a prominent good player i mean i get that if you didn't watch the game why why the highlights would make it look worse but look this last second victory by the steelers it's crucial it seems like we know every year steelers start slow in september they lose at least one game that they shouldn't and to me that's the tie against the browns that's a game that the steelers really had in hand and they should have won you know if you lose to the chiefs and the ravens that's kind of forgivable. looks like those are two very good teams. And then the Steelers start catching on in October, and they usually need like one dramatic comeback glory maker to get them started. And that's what this was, man. It was a very even game, which leads us to overall theme number two. Theme number two. This is the most complete game from all facets of the team that we've seen this season. Yeah, which is a nice sustainable thing that we're looking at because last week we talked about this uh, with Atlanta. It it wasn't perfect. We're not going to see perfect right now. Hopefully we start seeing perfect within, you know, towards the end of October into November. You want the team to peak later in the season. That's usually how it works too. But, you know, save for some pretty horrific moments in the special teams game there, we're seeing some uh, what's it called? Not like sustainable improvements, but you're seeing slow and steady improvement from all facets of the Steelers team, which shows that it's real. It's not like when you win a game against Ryan Fitzpatrick, it can be a little bit misleading because you get three turnovers where he literally threw the ball right to the team. You know, of course, yes, you can say you get the turnovers, but it's still hard to judge the process in that. And this one, this was just a great divisional slug fest win northeastern football it's bad weather it's back and forth it wasn't pretty but it wasn't ugly either it's super hard hitting and look you people you have to know how to win games like that in the northeast with the weather because just look at peyton manning drew Brees, and matt ryan and all the struggles they've had in the playoffs when they have to leave their domes that's critical like seeing that from the steelers and it looks like it is a, a believable pace seeing uh, the improvements on the offense and the defense particularly and we saw some consistent big plays from. First of all, let's talk about Vance. Vance had three of the three receptions on the first on the first series alone, and that guy has tremendous yards after catch. He is just a juggernaut. He is an unstoppable beast-like man. Beast-like man. Well, he is a beast. It's not beast-like beast man. man. He is a beast. Yeah, he's more beast than man at this point. I mean, the jaw. His jaw is, I think, the width of my shoulders, at least. He's got a quagmire jaw. <laughs> you guys know Family Guy. But man, he can knock you out that jaw. Easy. No problem. Just a bash straight to your dome. You're out for a day, two at least. Straight into concussion protocol, thanks to the beautiful, ripped, strong, mas fuerte jaw de Vance McDonald. Good stuff, right, man? Uh, yeah, Vance is awesome. What do we say in the offseason? Vance was constantly our pick for the guy who was going to make a huge difference for the Steelers, somebody that the national media wasn't talking about, but who could legitimately become a star. Looks like he's becoming that star along with his buddies, James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster. It looks like the Steelers have a very established catch, uh, cast of offensive weapons to complement the offensive line, Ben and AB. And those guys have been keeping up that pace all season. It's good to see him do it. We need a meme for James Conner, Vance, and Juju. This, we had the killer bees. They're going to have to slowly yeah. start taking over. There's, 
Is it J? We'll look at that later. They have anyway, no initials in common. Yeah, we're, we got to get creative, I guess. We'll play a little scramble game. Anyway, the third theme that the steel, the myth is that the Steelers' defense was terrible. Yeah, it really wasn't, man. Look, you got to. This defense isn't going to get fixed in a day. And like we've said over and over again, this, in my opinion, this defense has a ceiling because there's a talent ceiling. There's, they do not have a second corner and they're not going to find one unless, unless they trade for Patrick Peterson, hint, hint. which, yeah. So if you guys have been following along, following along on Twitter, the Cardinals are rumored to be shopping superstar cornerback Patrick Peterson, who apparently now look, I haven't gotten to watch him play a lot recently, so I can't answer this. But according to a lot of other people in the media, they're saying that Pat P is still performing like a top 10, top five cornerback. And they might be looking who knows what they're looking for. Who knows if this is true or not? It would be smart of the Cardinals to trade him, honestly, because they're in a total rebuild right now. And by the time they get their team together, he's going to be older. Uh, and this, I know we're digressing here, but man, I cannot think of a more fortunate and perfect move that the Steelers could make. I mean, at any position, yeah, you could say safety, but to get a top flight corner to pair with Joe Hayden, what, one of the biggest weaknesses, if not the biggest weakness on the team becomes one of the biggest strengths. I think that, and also in addition to that, Pat P's got a couple good years left. So you'd have these good cornerbacks, hopefully, for the end of the window, which we think is, you know, hopefully a couple of years with the with the end of Ben's career and the offensive line and A B being attacked. Obviously you have James Conner to replace uh Le'Veon going going forward. What a move it would be to see the Steelers pick up Pat P, although we know them probably wouldn't see them do it. <laughs> Well, let's let's just to bring it back to the defense. I mean, we held the Bengals five points under their game average and 120 yards underneath their season average. Three sacks. They allowed 62 yards rushing and 229 yards passing. That that was a tremendous effort on the road, nonetheless, against a Bengals offense that not only is very talented, but it's it's very good. It's been very productive recently. Obviously, they had an off game against the Dolphins, needed some help last week by their defense, scoring some touchdowns to generate some stuff. So I think some of their, uh, you know, them being the fifth rated offense or whatever they were coming into this game, I think that's been overblown. But they're still a very good offense with continuity. They were playing at home. Um, they are more talented than the Steelers defense. And at the end of the day, the Steelers defense only gave up 21 points. Did they blow it on the last drive in the fourth quarter? Of course, but that's what they do. I mean, we can't ask them to do more than what they are at this point. And if you're holding the team to 21 points, it's up to the Steelers offense to win the game. And that's exactly what they did. So I like to see some steady improvements from the defense. You got to keep your expectations realistic. We'll get into more of the specifics once we get kind of into that section specifically. So there are some themes to the season we've been sort of playing around with, and I thought maybe we could list them more specifically. Yeah, so we keep talking about every week. It's the same few things. Ben's accuracy, Feetner's play calling at the end of the game, uh, the slow starts, this, that, or whatever. They come up every game, and I wanted to sort of – Check in on that. See how these themes are progressing. Are the Steelers making the same mistakes over and over again? Are they improving? And if they are improving, is it showing on the scoreboard? And the answer, baby, is yes. So let's go through these really quickly. The biggest theme in my mind for this season is the slow starts. We talk about it every week. They've up until the Falcons game and then now the Bengals game. The Steelers offense went three and out on the first possession and then turned it over or let up a big kick return within the next possession. Well, they didn't do it against the Falcons. They were able to score in their first possession. They were able to have a balanced uh, attack where they were able to run the ball more because they weren't getting behind early in the game. And you saw what happened. They crushed them. Same thing happened this game. They did not start slow. No, we did not score in our first possession, but we did make a couple first downs. And that's critical. People... When you're watching football, yes, you want to score in as many as you, uh, possessions as you can. But sometimes just getting a first, a couple first downs makes a big difference because you play the field position game. And when the Steelers were going three and out constantly earlier, the opposition was getting to start their drives on their own 40-yard line. Well, now you're making them start inside their 20 and stuff like that. So that was a big deal. Slow start, not a problem this game, and another victory because of it. 
So uh, I will point out, though, that second series was a killer. That was shooting ourselves in the foot, and that was a result of Juju's two drop passes. But Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, it doesn't it's not going to be night and day. The the progression of the team from being a horrific early drive team isn't going to go 180. It's not like, oh, we played well against the Falcons and now it's done. No. Well, at least maybe they didn't score right away, but at least they moved the ball down the field and and started winning the field position game. Uh, The second theme penalties, the most penalized team in the NFL continued that trend. And man, Sometimes you don't know what these refs, but when you're first place in the NFL, it's brutal. I think the penalties were nine to six uh, Steelers with nine Bengals with six. But, geez, they just cannot get that number down. It is curious to see the Patriots playing in a 43 to 40 game against Kansas City where they get zero penalties called on them. Are you saying it's a conspiracy? I'm just saying it's physically impossible for there to be zero penalties. gambling going on? Could there be? Anyway, two, two of your two of your penalties came from your long snapper. That that's just uh, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So I don't know what they're doing there. But anyways, at least uh, they didn't get a roughing the passer penalty for flicking someone's calf. So I guess that's a that's a that's an improvement. Really more on the refs' part than on TJ's part. But uh, I don't know how much that that affected the scoreboard. But it is a. Um, a theme to see throughout the season. I'll be curious to see what happens if they only get a couple penalties in games. So that's number two. So we've been hyper-focused on Ben's inaccuracy accuracy or inaccuracy as the case might be. And I, I would say that at the beginning, a couple, couple of games into the season, he was sailing some balls, uh, perhaps attributable to the sore elbow. We don't know, but this game he righted the course. He did, man. He was, he was more accurate. He only had one head-scratching, ridiculous throw where he scrambled out to his right and lobbed the ball across his body into the middle of the field, and, and Burfecht should have actually picked it off, which really would have been terrible, not just for Steelers fans, but for children across the world and anybody who believes in goodness. But uh, besides that, man, there was no re- road bend to be found. He was being much more patient, which we need to see from him because the Bengals – and the Ravens play Ben the same way. They take away all the deep stuff that he loves to do, and they see if he will stay patient and just check the ball down over and over again throughout the course of the game to beat them, and that's what he did. And eventually it opened uh, it opened up some of the deep stuff that happened later. So the Ben inaccuracy was much better this game, although like we said, it's not 180. It doesn't all get fixed right away. There are some plays where you see Ben throwing it into the flat, where he's throwing it really high or behind the receiver, and you'd like to see him hit them in the numbers so that they can you know, catch it and run in stride. So he still has improvements, but much better in this game. Sure, and I'll just point out that he's in a virtual dead heat with Ryan Fitzpatrick for most passing yards a game at 339. Does He He probably leads the league uh, in pass yards then. In total pass yards, yeah, he does. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, by uh, yeah, by fifty some yards, the old Matt Ryan and the loser Falcons, but they actually did win. Right, next theme, anyways, we'll try and kind of bust through these. The Wi-Fi connection, right? The bend to the A B issues. I'd say that it 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 definitely felt throughout the course of the game that it just feels weird when A B only has like one catch in the first half. I mean, he went two years or three years without having any less than five catches in a game. I believe that was an NFL record or, or very close to it. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think it was much of an issue. Uh, obviously, that last play, the game winner, makes such a big difference, not only on the stat sheet, but sort of like emotionally, I'm sure, for A.B. and Ben, where they still feel like, well, we won the game on a Ben to A.B. touchdown. But also, it's worth noting that the Bengals always play A.B. well. So it's not that odd that he was focusing on getting the ball to other people. Remember Heath Miller used to have all these huge games against the Bengals. So no surprise. He was thrown into the tight ends. And at the end of the day, what do you have? Five for one Oh six and the game winner. I'll take it. Well, let's face it. AB was, was only targeted twice in the first half. Um, apropos of your comment that he was, he was well covered. We still haven't seen the all 22 to figure out what was going on there. So I will the next say thing- he had a perfect passer rating when targeting AB in this game. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We've also been lamenting coaching talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. 
Well, just the miscommunications and the too many men on the field penalties that happened every single damn week. They did not happen this week. Um, You also hate just getting beat the same way by every team, which for us seems to traditionally be through the middle of the field. The Bengals did attack the middle of the field much more successfully than the Falcons did. So to answer our question from last week, no, that is not fixed, especially on the last drive of the game. The Bengals went down the middle of the field over and over again. But uh, I'd say the coaching was solid because obviously, like we said, they only gave up 21 points and they really did not let A.J. Green make a huge difference in this game till the end there. Um, And then as far as the lack of talent on defense, I'll say this. Hayden's Hayden is good, man. He's going to win some. He's going to lose some. He's not he's probably not like a top 10 corner, but he's probably in that top 15. Very good player, even with the drops. Artie, I mean, that guy might have to be out. I don't I don't. I don't think you can play that guy anywhere besides special teams. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's it's done with Artie, man. He he cannot play. And uh, we need Patrick Peterson. That's what I think. One more thing that's been unearthed in his conservative play calling, which wasn't really relevant in this game. Uh, I thought that the bend pass to himself was a brilliant maneuver. Brilliant. I would keep that in my back pocket for the playoffs. Did not see that coming. He had a little further to go on that play too, didn't he? I think he went yeah, down a little quickly. Yeah, you know what? Quickly. I like him. I like him uh, give, giving himself up there. He's getting used to not getting hit so much with this offensive line. So I guess he just wanted to keep that going. All right. I would like them to see him uh, run the ball more on the fourth and one to go, third and one to go. True that. Can't argue so, with that. So let's take a look at the offense in more detail. We we mentioned that this is a balanced attack, and we did not start slow, even though, uh, as you pointed out, two first downs on the first drive, scoring a touchdown on the third drive. Yeah, there you go. So some of these, I don't want to be too redundant. I mean, I'm kind of looking at my notes right now, and and we've kind of gone over it a lot. So I'll just kind of breeze through them and just some major themes to look at. The second big thing about the offense is this offensive line is rounded into form. This is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. We knew that already, but Ben hasn't been sacked in two games. I mean, they were really the player of the game, if you think about it, man. I mean, they – no sacks and finally started getting a little more push in the run game. Not all the time, but to succeed being patient with the run against a very good defensive front and the Cincinnati dirty convicts, uh, uh, team, it's pretty, pretty admirable. So that's number two. I'd say the offensive line is rounding into form. Number three is, you know, the, the three amigos. Oh, that's not a bad, it's not bad for off of the dome, but Vance Juju and Connor are, these guys are absolute studs. They're like Pro Bowl-type players, for sure. I mean, having Gronk and Kelsey in the same conference is going to hurt Vance, but he's crushing it. And James Conner is a top 10 back. This guy's beast. He's, I think he tied the Steelers' record for most uh, touchdowns through six games. He's got seven. Franco. Right. He's, he is uh, fifth in terms of rushing yards in the NFL. He is second behind Todd Gurley in rushing touchdowns with seven at this point. And he's, uh, he's in the top five in multiple categories. And it's the he way was in our back he does it. With the class. Well, no, just breaking <laughs> tackles. It's not like – I mean, Todd Gurley's amazing, oh. but I just see so many wide-open plays for him. Not, not to take away from him, but you do have to look at it. Same with, like, Tom Brady having wide-open throws and Drew Brees, which doesn't take away from them as players. It just – you have to put that in, into perspective. I mean, James Conner is doing what you want from a running back. He's breaking tackles. He's making huge plays. He's having 20-yard runs. He's running over Vontae's perfect. So is Vance. Juju, obviously, that, that guy's top 10, 12 receiver in the game. I mean, he's had 100 yards in, in every game except for two, I think. And I will say Juju had to redeem himself because he had two bad drops. That drop on the first drive where he just didn't ex- – where he just T-Rex armed it, no good. And then he should have caught that touchdown on the post. That Ben threw a perfect ball. He's got to learn how to reach his hands up there. It sort of seemed like Juju was – Nervous because all of the Bengals apparently were opening talk, openly talking about how they're targeting, going to target him on the field because of the perfect hit, aka charitable work of the century. So uh, I think we've already talked about Ben. Yeah, uh, his I think patience. we covered the rest of it. Yeah. So let's That's move it. on. Yeah, to the- no road, Ben. AB is still AB. Man, when he catches the ball, he just he'll be running in one direction, makes the catch turns on a dime and is already full speed. He just, he looks the same, man. 
he's the beast. More big plays to be had from him. It was great to see them end the way that they did. So awesome. So, on, so moving on to the defense, I think that I think it's mischaracterized. This fourth quarter failure. It was yeah, the drive was uh, kind of expected, right? You could just figure so the Steelers easy. were going to collapse, but. I mean, again, they held the Bengals to 21 points. This was, if anything, on the offense. I I would expect more than 28 points in a game like this. But be that as it may, uh, Hayden's dropped interceptions were critical. Ultimately, hugely critical. Hugely critical. I think we we did see the middle of the field exposed. But honestly, uh, Uzama only had 54 yards. I mean, if they were playing their game right, he would have had 154 yards. So. I don't think I'm that much. What I what really gets under your skin is when Artie Burns took up a seat in the end zone to watch Tyler Boyd yeah. Boyd walk in for a, a touchdown. Yeah, that was bad. I'm going to go back to the Hayden's dropped interceptions. I think those were absolutely massive. There are plays that define a football game or a player or a unit's performance, like plays that don't get made. Like, for instance, Ben's game would have looked much better if if Juju had caught some of those long passes or th- things had bounced. You know, they had called Juju's amazing catch a touchdown or this or that. The stat sheet shows different things. Well, Hayden had a good game, man. He had some good pass breakups and a couple tackles, but especially that first play when he could have intercepted it in their own region where he made a perfect break on the ball, red rifle threw it right to him. He could have scored a touchdown on that play. Those are the plays that this type of defense needs to make. Like we keep saying, they are what they are. You can't expect that much more, but this defense needs to make a turnover every game. That's how they because they're going to get scored on when you face Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs or whatever. When we face Brady and Breeze later in the year, when they have the chance to make those splash plays, a guy with the hands that Joe Hayden has really the only player on the defense with any hands whatsoever. He's got to hold on to those. So he had a good game. But I mean, that's what's going to be the difference for the Steelers special teams and getting sacks and turnovers. So a bright spot on the defensive line, uh, we always kind of count on Cam Hayward, but Stefan Tuitt, he had a sack, yeah. two tackles for losses, and hit the quarterback twice. So he seems to, hopefully that's, he's emerging and he'll be more consistent going forward. Yeah, there were a couple of plays too where he didn't make the tackle, but he's blowing up the offensive lineman. I think there was a backup center in for Billy Price for the Bengals, but still, you like seeing Tuitt finally get some of that drive going. Uh, hopefully he's going to heat up with Cam after this bye. So just to wrap it up, the Steelers' defense allowed six passes, only six passes over 10 yards. Joe Mixon had three yard, three runs of over 10 yards, but those were the only splash plays that their defense uh, was able to accomplish. So I agree with you. I think the defense did an admirable job, and we'll rate them in just a few minutes. <laughs> what are you laughing That's at? That's funny. That's funny. Ah, nothing. I just I just have to laugh to myself when someone asks us how we're betting on games for the upcoming week. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spent hours studying the Steelers. And with all of that study, all of the leather-bound books, our apartment smell of rich mahogany, still, we don't know if the team's going to win, let alone know anything about the point spread. All right? But there is one thing we're confident in. My bookie! My bookie offers betters in all major markets and an entertaining lineup of gaming options. Listen. They've got unique prop bets that you won't find anywhere else, which is huge plus for you fantasy freaks. Rather than having just to rely on a whole team to perform, maybe you drafted Le'Veon Bell first overall. Yeah, we saw the writing on the wall. We didn't do that for the first time. Well, either way, you don't have to rely on a whole team to, to, to perform or underperform. You can bet on one player, one guy who you know is in the game, right? You can t- <laughs> pat Mahomes, put him in. So you fantasy sports lovers will have an edge when betting on the game within the game. Take advantage of in-game live betting on over-unders on fantasy points scored. They also offer a plethora of major bonuses, including welcome offers, reloads, and cashbacks. Hey, question. Would you say that they offered a plethora of pinatas when there was, in fact, no plethora at all? No, that would be untrue, but my bookie does offer a plethora of options. Yeah, they do. And you can also find sports books, promotions and casino rewards and a huge variety of different value added programs that should cater to most betters preferences. My bookie has a great mobile site that is easy to use with a sleek design that offers navigation even better than Kip from Knight Rider. Way better because you know what? Wow. It's 2018 now. 80s are long gone. 70s. When was that show? I don't know. I'm not that old. This is a company whose customer service you can actually access with a phone call, callback requests, or online chat, which is cool because dealing with humans 
better than dealing with robots or robot cars, as we were just saying. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. Take advantage of generous bonus options, like if you make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional 25 bucks to free play on deposits over $100. Join now in my bookie. We'll match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code OUTPOST25. OUTPOST25. OUTPOST25 to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag online today and don't forget to use the promo code OUTPOST25. OUTPOST25. OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Remember, everybody, you play, you win, you get paid. Straight cash on me. I need to say I was disappointed in one fast of the Steeler game. We were I had made two bets on the game. One for the first oh, yeah. half one for the first half score and one for the game overall. I think the Bengals were favored by a point and a half in both those categories. And the Steelers were careening, careening towards that first first half uh edge. Yeah. And uh we gave it up and the uh, Bengals were able to tie it, so we lost that money, but eventually we did recover the second bet and cover the losses on the first bet. So we're going back at it again next week. Love it. We're improving there for sure. The betting is coming along. Let Mom. us now turn to the game grades. Let's do it. We're going to start with, as we always do, with the leader, the general, the head man, the sommelier of the Pittsburgh Steeler football team, Ben Roethlisberger. Ugh. He's so good. Isn't it great? Man, great to see him get on track in a divisional game. The Bengals do a good job against him, and he hasn't been great on the road. So to see him shake those struggles off earlier this season than the past season, oh man, it's awesome. He's getting a lot of help from that line and his pass catchers. But he is, uh, you know, he keeps improving 15, 16 years in. Like we said before, he was he had great patience. He took what the defense gave him and it surgically picked them apart. Once again, his pocket movement has been excellent this year. Now, the, the, the line didn't give up any sacks, but there was pressure all game. I know they showed a, a graphic later in the game saying that he hadn't been pressured. That's not true. I mean, some of that was because he manipulates the pockets well. And like I said before, there were a couple major drops, including Juju's drop TD, and then the unbelievable catch by Juju that negated that touchdown where it was down at the one-yard line. But, you know, if those two things are touchdowns, it's a very different-looking stat line. I mean, right now, Ben is the NFL passing leader with, two, what is it, 2,033 yards. I mean, he's crushing it right now. I think uh, that last game-winning drive against the Dirty Convicts brings him up to fifth all-time with the game-winning drives. He's got 41 game-winning drives. Uh, Poop Brady is at 43. I guess he just added to his resume last night too. But Ben's hot on his trail. I think Ben was excellent in this game. And we're giving him a grade of A. Excellent. So let's move on to running backs. And essentially we're talking about James Conner. Yeah, James Conner's really good. Love him. Like we said before, he's just making game-breaking plays. Uh, plays that are inspiring not only an offense, not only a team, not only a city, but a nation. A nation of people who care about the fight of good versus evil. Because not only did he run over Vontae's perfect, but he injured him at least minorly in the process. Which, honestly, for everybody involved, it's good. So Vontae's perfect can't go out there and intentionally injure players like he tried to against AB. We already talked about James Conner. He's a beast. Guy's a top 10 running back. No questions about it. He breaks tackles. He's pass blocking has improved. He gets a grade of A+. Plus. A+. Plus. So we're moving on to wide receiver. As wide receivers the, uh, are awesome, huh? You know what? I Remind me never to have an ESPN page up while we're doing this podcast because their little videos just start without any cool. human intervention. Uncool. Oh, it's a, it's a grassroots, bare bones, mom and pop operation. You can't really blame them for wanting to make a little cash on the side. Well, it was a cool song. Anyway, let's move to wide receivers. They're just making these game-breaking plays. I mean, there's no better duo in the NFL than Juju and AB. I, I, Thielen is a beast in Minnesota, and so is Diggs. But uh, no, it's AB and Juju all day. The drops weren't great by Juju, and and – uh, you know, the lack of progression by Washington is is a little bit of a bummer. This is kind of about the time of the season where Juju started coming on last year. And 
what's his name? I just said it, Washington, James Washington. Uh, see, that's bad. I can't even remember his name in the moment. He's doesn't seem to be making the same progress. And he had that one kind of jump ball that Ben threw to him. He got upset and yeah, I mean, I thought I, when he jumped, he, his feet didn't even leave the ground, man. Uh, so no, he's, like he's rapidly dis, he's he's rapidly receding. I mean, we had Justin Hunter in at the at the end of the game. Yeah, that's a great point. Who had one of the plays of the season in his block for AB? A lot of uh, controversy in that. Hey, let's talk about that play for one second because everybody's been talking about it today. The Steelers had the perfect play call, and if the Bengals blew anything, it was really their defensive corner or coordinator. They called an all-out blitz on that play, which means there is literally no deep sa- no deep safeties, and nobody in the middle of the field. So the Steelers had the perfect play call against a perfect defense. Bengals got scared there, man. In those situations, a lot of coordinators panic and they think they have to manufacture something with a blitz like that. But all they did was leave the best wide receiver wide open in the middle of the field for a touchdown. And the Steelers, you can give Haley credit for the call, but I don't like they called that play before the, the Bengals came out to play defense. So it, it just really lucked out that way. The Steelers were already in field goal range with two timeouts left. I think they were just trying to get Boswell a little bit closer. Worked out awesome. Nice block by Hunter. So I think that that covers it up. Uh, do you want to get in their grade? I, I do. I'd love to. Juju's drops, which, you know, he more than made up for with his great game, especially on that last drive. But that will take them down just a peg to a grade of A. <laughs> Moving on to the tight ends, it was interesting how much Xavier Xavier Grimble was used in this game. It was. Yeah, they're trying to get him a bigger piece of the pie. So let me see how many. So Vance had seven, Xavier Grimble had two, that's nine, and Jesse had five. That's 14 catches with the tight ends. They're always a good weapon against the Bengals. This is pretty cool, man. You got a stud tight end and two other guys that you can rely on. That's a lot of catches between them. That just makes your offense more dangerous as we learn how to pound people in the run game but still be able to keep guys on the field who can be a threat only a negative vance he's a fumbler man can't have that can't have that james connor has had a similar problem this year and so has vance as far as the three amigos go but uh nice game from the tight ends got nothing uh out of this world but vance had another super rumbler again running over Vontae's perfect for the children it's for the kids people Great job. Inspiring performance by the jaw. They get a grade of A. So we've already gone over the offensive line. No sacks in uh, three games. Great push up front as evidenced by the rushing game. Uh, In the last three games, one sack and Ben's only been touched six times. So not much more to say there. They're amazing. They're starting to open some holes in the running game a little bit more too. They get a grade of A+. And let's finish up the offense with the Feet Master. The Feet Master is coming along. You know what I'm most impressed with the Feet Master with is his patience in the run game. There was one call that I sort of had a love-hate relationship with. So the Steelers have converted, I think, three first downs, three or four this year so far, when they're on third and one or third and two, and they call a toss sweep where they just pitch the ball out to James Conner. They have been successful, but I hate those calls. I mean – I think that you're just exposing yourself to too much of a risk of a negative play when the defense is already selling out to stop the run. Whereas if you just run it up the middle, you might be able to hit a crease and use the defense's aggressiveness against them or at least push the pile forward, which you don't really have the opportunity to do if you're running sideways. So I haven't liked him calling that. Well, on what was maybe the most critical play of the game was, what, maybe around five minutes left. Steelers have the ball around the Cincinnati 10-yard line. We're up by three. It's third and two. Well, they faked the pitch play, which – and then Ben rolled out to the other side and threw it to Vance. Vance got tackled and fumbled. We didn't convert. Ended up having to kick a field goal. Well, if we had scored a touchdown, the game probably wouldn't have been over. That's why I'm saying it was so critical. But I didn't – apparently AB was wide open in the end zone, jumping up and down, but that's really hard to ask Ben to make that read. He literally had to spin around. Um, I, I, I would rather you, I don't know, maybe I don't have a problem with that. Actually, it, it was a good play call. I just didn't have a good result. I, here's why that's good. As I babble, I'm sorry, everybody. And sorry to you dead, but <laughs> here's why this is good. Good offensive coordinators 
know their own trends and they know that defensive coordinators are going to find those trends. So third and two, we often do a toss sweep. He knows that the Bengals know this. He tried to take advantage of this with some double think faked the pitch and has a counter off that you need to have counters off of your best plays. You take, you got to make something look like your best play and then run something totally different off of it. That was cool. It just didn't work out the way we want. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. He's doing a lot better. Great of a moving on to the defense. I'm going to recap something I already said earlier in the podcast, just to recap the, the defense, uh, three sacks allowed 62 yards rushing even though a couple of runs by Mixon, it seemed more than that, and 229 yards passing. So they held the Bengals five points under the year's average and 120 yards under their uh, their game average for the year. Unfortunately, we did allow them to score on 100% of the red zones. But ultimately, I think you, you got to look at the points scored. Yeah, I do. The three sacks is nice. Uh, it looks like this the, the pressure that the Steelers are generating is is consistent. And like we said, what we're going to be looking at for the Steelers team who who doesn't have an overly talented defense, you need turnovers, you need sacks, and you need red zone defense. You got one of the three. So what's really interesting is that the Bengals have scored on almost half of their drives this year, and the Steelers held them to 30% in this game. So we give the defense an A. Looking at the defensive line, we've already mentioned – Stephon Tuitt had a, had a nice little breakout game. Javon Hargrave was in the backfield multiple times. The defensive line had two sacks, two and a half tack, three and a half tackles for loss, and hit the quarterback three times. Yeah. They well, need like to a complete become, game. They should be studs. You know, that's they've been probably the biggest disappointment so far this season in terms of a unit we expected to be good. It looks like they're starting to come on. So that's nice. I thought they played well. So we give the defensive line an A. The outside linebacker is a little tougher to grade. There was a half, half, one half tackle for loss, if you would, by um, TJ Watt. But otherwise, not really, um, not really noticeable during this game. It's not a bad thing. We didn't get gaffed by too many long plays. It looks like he got hurt in the first half. What was it, like a wrist or something? I don't know if that ended up affecting yeah. him. I mean, he's a Watt. He's not going out of the game. So, But I agree. He was a little bit quiet in this game. And obviously, Bud was quiet. That's how he plays. That's what he does. That's what Bud yeah. does. So, But uh, given the lack of uh, <laughs> anything to the contract, we give the outside linebackers an A. Inside linebackers, John Bostic and uh, Vince Williams back in the game. One sack, one tackle for loss, and one quarterback hit. Again, sort of look at the run game, and I think they did a pretty good job in contain, and we didn't get too many gashes. The uh, Cincinnati's tight end, what's his name again? Oh, it, large I, man. I want to say Hushmanzada. Hushmanzada. Stupid <laughs> play for their team. God, they have such a history of just utterly Unpronounceable hateful. last names. Well, that too. But wouldn't you just love to see, let's get, let's get Chris Fuamatu Uma Afala. Back in the stadium. I don't care what he looks like now. Let's, and let's get Hushmanzada and let's just see them do a cage match. I think our guy's going to win. Anyway, it was not, not exactly an inspiring game, so we give the inside linebackers a grade of B. <laughs> Defensive backs. We're going to lump the safety and the cornerbacks. Since we don't have the all 22, it's really hard to discern whose responsibility lies where. But as I mentioned earlier, we allowed six passes of over 10 yards. The Tyler Board touchdown was just uh, an anathema to football playing. And obviously, we're, we're sort of pegging this all on one quarterback. Cornerback. Artie cornerback. Burns. Yeah. Yeah. There were a couple of nice plays by Cameron Sutton actually broke up one of those uh, post plays to the inside. So we've seen two weeks in a row where the Steelers have actually batted down a, a post pattern to the inside. So that sort of says to me that Keith Butler is trying to focus on that, and he is, in fact, not blind. Uh, I guess we have to throw Mike in with that, too. But, man, uh, Joe Hayden's been encouraging. Like we said, he's not. it's not going to be Revis Island out there with him, but he competes, and he's getting his hand on the ball every week. We give the defensive backs a grade of B. Winding up with um, the butt man, defensive the coordinator. The butster. Again, you can't argue with the outcome. You can't over- argue with the overall statistics. 
uh, other tweaks to be done. He's, I think he's doing what he can with the, uh, with the talent he has, and he did deploy it to its maximum advantage yesterday. Yeah, I agree. He didn't look at this, man. If the, if we'll get to the special teams in a second, but if they don't give up a 50 or 60, whatever yard kick return at the end of the first half, it's reasonable to think that the Bengals would not have scored a touchdown there and the Steelers defense would have actually held the Bengals to even less points. So you got to give him credit for that. You got to give him credit for minimizing AJ green and basically telling the Bengals and Andy Dalton, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it some other way. There's no effort. So you got to find a way to get Boyd and Ushman You got to find a way to matriculate it down the field with those guys. And they were not able to do it. Give them credit. We'll give Keith Butler a grade of A. A. Now we can have a little discussion about the special teams. And there's a lot packed in here. So we've got receive, receive kick receptions. We have kick returns. We have punting. We have field goals. Is that a new term? Sorry. You know, I like it. Receiving kicks. Yeah. You, kick you downgraded them pretty, pretty harshly, I would say. I did. Yeah. So I believe I gave the, the special teams a D or a D plus. What did I give them? Because I see we got your grade on there right now. So we'll move to your grade, which was a D plus. Yeah, give them a plus. Look, here's here's my view on special teams. It's boom or bust with them. You know, they either did very well and they did their job, which kind of gets them in the A to B plus range. They did something crazy good, you know, like like Chris Boswell did all last year, which would get you some A pluses. Or with special teams, one bad play changes the whole game. I mean, Rosie Nick's block is kind of the difference last week, right? Those back-to-back 50- or 60-yard kick returns, whatever they were. I mean, that's brutal. Like I just said before, if they didn't give that up, the Steelers, it's hard to see them giving up points on that last drive right before the half, or at least more likely that they wouldn't. And then then the second time, you open up the second half, you would think you have the issue resolved or that, hey, let's not play with this anymore. Let's kick it out of the back of the end zone. Nope. He goes back and gets another long kick return, and then they're bailed out by the defense. That's what I was talking about before. Sometimes there are unseen plays or plays that aren't made. I mean, they got lucky that the defense stepped up in that instance. Usually you cannot rely on this defense. And if the defense gave up a touchdown off of that second long kick return, then you'd be saying, damn, man, that's already tough enough for the defense as it is, and the special teams was making it more difficult. So I think those two – really stick out in a game that otherwise was encouraging. Boz obviously 100% on field goals and Barry, uh, John Ledyard, uh, draft analyst, Steelers analyst at J-O-N Ledyard on Twitter, another guy we like to talk with and, and reference. He's got so much good data and spends a lot of time looking at this stuff. He put my uh, opinions into the, kind of the perfect words. He, Barry is such a high variance player and that's basically what I was tweeting in a less – concise matter throughout the course of the game where his first punt out of our own zone was horrific. They got the ball at their own 40 and then his next punt went like 140 yards. So I do think he played a good game though, because besides that one bad punt, he he played well, but just to me, those kick returns ruined the whole thing. They almost lost the game. All right. Well, I guess I'll downgrade from the grade I had at night, but I I think they did better. If you view it differently, I view it differently. You have a D plus. I'm going to give them a C. Okay, that's probably fair. All right, why don't you uh, wrap it up with Mike Tomlin? Huge divisional win, and you're seeing a team that is making, like, trackable progress. They got better against Atlanta. They didn't do anything worse against Cincinnati and, and still got better at other things. This looks like a sustainable pace and just another time beating the Bengals, another time beating them in their house. And now the Steelers are a half game out of first place. And Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger are doing their Steelers thing again. we got to buy this week. And if the Steelers can beat the Browns and the Ravens, both of those games are at home, by the way. I expect the Steelers to win those games. Then Steelers are right back in the thick of things. So got to give Mike a grade of A. <laughs> So we really appreciate you listening to our show. We do this every week for you. You. Actually, I do a lot for myself, but I do it for you. 
And uh, if you haven't already subscribed, please do so on your favorite app. And, you know, you might want to go out to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. Good, bad, or indifferent. We'd like to hear from you. Better yet, try to help us make this show better. And hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. As you heard Nick say, he tweets incessantly during the games. Please join in the conversation. Leave us a note on the blog at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.